All right. Hey, folks, welcome here to the runningrestaurants.com podcast, where we bring you the tips, tools, and techniques you need to make your restaurant more profitable and successful. I'm your host, Jamie Oikel. Today, I got a great episode for you with Jonathan Rosa, president at Mora CFO. So, Jonathan, welcome. Let's get started with some backstory. Tell us about how you grew up. I know you had uh, families in the restaurant business, so maybe you start there and, and we'll just let it roll. What you got? All right, Jamie, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I am a Bostonian. I was born and grew up in Boston. Uh, you know, we're actually from similar areas, but yeah. my dad has been in the restaurant industry since I was born, basically. Uh, you know, 30 plus years in the restaurant industry, has been a restaurant owner for 20 plus years. So I grew up in restaurants. Um, when I went, I went to school in Boston, I uh, went to BC. And then my first job out of college was at the Burger King headquarters in Miami. So I moved to Miami in 2015. While I was there, I was in the financial planning and analysis department, helping with budgeting, forecasting, goal setting, analysis of you know the financials mm -hmm. and reporting. Uh, and I left in 2019. I always wanted to, to start have my own business and to be able to help business owners like my dad. And since 2019, Morris CFO has been helping restaurant owners to understand their finances, to better organize their finances and use that to help them make better decisions, uh, grow their profits and accelerate their cash flow. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. We talked briefly before we started recording and we had some similarities. We grew up in the same area, have lived in the same area. I remember when I lived in Miami, I remember the BK building over towards the airport, unless I'm, I'm totally mistaken, yep. Yep. you could see that and so forth. So let's, let's, let's maybe stick there for a quick second, big corporate operation. I'm sure a lot of systems, a lot of controls, and we talk more to the independent audience. And a lot of times we see that they don't necessarily have that. A lot of it is on the fly. Just this is how I do it. And this is how it, I think it should be done, but not a lot. So we'll probably get get more into that. But what did you see right away when you landed at a big corporate behemoth like 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 Burger King? So, yeah, I saw that contrast because I've been in both worlds. Right. I grew up with my dad, you know, very basic, you know, gut feeling, intuition, business yeah. decisions. And when you get to a big firm like Burger King, it's completely different, right? Everything yeah. has a system. Uh, you know, they spend millions of dollars on what they call ERPs, you know, which are basically the, the big systems that they use to, to generate the dashboards and the analytics. And we have access to a level of detail that you wouldn't even imagine. Um, but the one thing that I learned was despite the size of the business, the fundamentals are always the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And it the big decisions always come down to basic math, but you need to understand your fundamentals. And that's what I, I learned, uh, you know, well at, at Burger King. The, um, the math of the restaurant business, it's, it's a fascinating, uh, undertaking. And so everyone that is not on the restaurant business believes has this false belief that restaurant owners are, are millionaires or billionaires. I mean, look at, look at all the people in here. Why am I paying $6 for a beer? They must be raking it in. And we know that's not true because ultimately profit margins slide back to 5%, yeah. 6%, 12% if you're doing greater, hopefully, hopefully a little bit bigger if you're doing really well. So, so talk about some of that math, where, where can restaurant owners find some, maybe some quick savings, some medium savings, some long-term savings. Let's kind of hash it out a bit. So yeah, the big the big risk with restaurants 
is, you know, despite, uh, you know, people thinking they're rich, there are so many processes, there's so many things that go on uh, to deliver that beer or to deliver that plate. Yeah. That there are many, many opportunities for you to get something wrong. And anything that you right. get wrong can basically get rid of your margin. Uh, understanding your margins is absolutely fundamental. Having a good understanding of how profitable you actually are, right? You need to understand that. You need to know your numbers in order to make better decisions. Uh, easy tip or quick tip. Um, this isn't this isn't easy, but it is very simple. Uh, one of the first things that I always want to look at with restaurant owners is do we have any opportunity to take price or to increase price on menu mm -hmm. items? Because if we do, and we're not going to lose a significant amount of business by doing that, that is the quickest way to increase your margin without hiring more, without investing anything, without buying anything. Uh, and we are, as business owners, we are usually the hardest negotiators with ourselves, right? We tell ourselves a million reasons why we can't take price or increase price, uh, and that works against us. So that's one of the one of the things that I often push and challenge restaurant owners to understand is, can you increase price on things? Because if you can, um, and most of the time you can, uh, that is very, very easy additional profit. We've seen, uh, obviously inflation, uh, everywhere and, and restaurants. And so, um, I think a lot of restaurants have st started that process kind of naturally, but what I think your, your, your point is getting, getting to is there, there may be even more opportunities and what happens at a restaurant. And, and maybe you forget about this when you're in the day-to-day -day of running it is you, you have that. Um, we call it, and you know, I, I know, you know, our, my buddy, Roger, that you have that captive audience, right? You have, they're there, they're willing to spend. So as long as you're delivering that experience, $1 more for the steak and, and, you know, 50, 50, 50 cents more for this and that those things go away as long as the experience is, is being delivered. So, so yeah, price, absolutely an opportunity. What about, um, on the cost side, what are some things people can look at right away? Where are things getting dropped? What mistakes can be made that, that really hurt? What do you think? It's good. I'm going to sound like a broken record a bit, but I'm going to go back to if you start looking at the numbers, for example, when you're talking about lowering costs, two major costs that we need to look at, you know, are food costs and labor costs. Mm -hmm. Obvious, right? Every restaurant owner knows that. Now, the question is, how often do you actually look at those numbers? Yep. If you look at them and they are correct, you know, on a monthly basis and you're, you're looking in detail, you're doing your inventory, which I was surprised, very surprised when I went and started to work with restaurant owners, how common it is for restaurant owners not to do inventory or to That's do it right. very sporadically. And just doing the inventory will almost automatically start to unlock savings. Mm -hmm. And, 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 uh, it's, it's that saying, I think it was Peter Drucker. I don't remember who it was, you know, what you measure. you Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So just by looking at it, just by paying attention to it, it will improve. Now, 
you talked about Bird King, for example, and I know they would have spent bazillion dollars on their their analytics, bringing in data from all the chains into into somebody's desktop, and they're making decisions across the region and so forth. But I know a lot of times in, in independents can't do that. But how often should the numbers be looked at? How often should inventory be done? I, I mean, I know ideally it'd be, it'd be weekly, um, certainly monthly. But like, what what do you recommend when you talk to folks? What what what's, what advice do you give? I think the lowest hanging fruit, and, and I like to use the 80-20 principle, right? Mm -hmm. You know, 80% of the results come from 20% of the activities, right? Yep. You don't need to do all the things. You need to figure out what's the most important that's going to bring you the biggest results. And when I look at that from a how often to look at the numbers, once a month is a good sweet spot to have a good detailed review of your numbers. If you are one of the minority that actually looks at your books closed and they're in, and they're well organized and you're looking at your reports once a month, you know, 10 to 15 days after the month is over and you're understanding your food costs, understanding your labor costs, uh, and you're looking at it detailed enough, that will be enough for you to start to unlock insights to improve your numbers. Yeah. Um, I, 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 be great. That's a great start, right? And I hear you know, some of the feedback would be if you wait too long, you obviously can't catch something that's, that's ongoing. So any, anything, any stories from your past where somebody maybe, oh my gosh, they said, I can't believe we missed that mistake. And if they had, if they had been attentive to it, they would have saved a lot of dollars over time. It could be a waste thing, a theft thing, a spoilage thing where, where routine inventory could have caught them or what other sort of, you know, mistakes do you see people make that, man, if they were just more attentive. Uh, that's a good question. I, I just finished a project with a client um, that after the pandemic, everything changed, right? They lost a very significant amount of sales. But last year, they had a, a different chef in place who was a little too generous. Mm. Uh, the owner wasn't, you know, keeping a good eye, good eye on the numbers. Uh, and that was really hurting his, uh, his gross profit. Uh, they were, they were, their food cost was sky high. And then the, the GM that he brought on helped to start to rein things in. They, they changed the chef. Uh, and, and when they brought me on, it was kind of, they had already made a bunch of the right changes. When I looked at the numbers, I saw how drastically the numbers started to change in terms of food cost, just because you, I saw with the new GM that he was looking uh, closely at the numbers, closely, closely at the inventory. They redesigned the menu. They, they rethought the portion sizes. Mm -hmm. uh, and this all contributed to them drastically reducing their food cost. Um, one of the things we identified that even though he had pretty good control, um, this is something that's not very, not super easy to get. Burger King has this level of detail, but independents don't always. It can be done but understanding what your waste is. Yep. So calculating your waste is basically understanding what theoretically your food cost should be, right? If you're taking a recipe, costing out the portion of each ingredient, how much the cost of a burger, for example, should be, yep. uh, and then comparing that to what your real food cost was, and that difference should be your waste. What your theoretical use should be versus your real use and getting to your waste. 
once you understand how much you waste, then you get to start figuring out how to improve it. Um, and that's usually a, a really uh, important thing. Something you said uh, made me think about, okay, here, hold on, hold on. You were talking about the uh, 80-20 rule, and I just I don't know if you've seen this one, but 80 the 80-20 principle, and it kind of it kind of goes to a whole bunch of things in life. I mean, that 80% uh, you get 80% of the results from 20% of the effort, and so yeah, if you if you really focus on some of the systems you do, it doesn't mean you have to look at every crumb and every detail, but man, if you do that 80%. Um, or, or, or the 20% work sometimes you get 80% of the results. So the opportunity is, is, is definitely there. Go for a second to me, uh, to the family business. You say grew up in the restaurant. Like, did you, did, did you help, uh, with the cash register as a kid? Did you help, uh, what, you know, what, what did, what did you do? What did you see as a, as a kid growing up? Did you see a stressed family? Did you see like, what was it like? Oh, yeah. So I grew up uh, in the business. Uh, I saw my dad own his first restaurant when I was about, I think, like six years old. Uh, and he, he started a new restaurant uh, near where we lived in Boston. Um, it, it didn't work out. I think it was open for a year. He had to close, took on debt. Uh, in that, and, and I was super young, but I remember when I was there, I, I was at the cashier some days. I love, I always loved numbers. So I was actually, I actually knew at six or seven years old already how to, uh, you know, give change and actually, you know, do, you know, yeah. do that man. Um, so that was kind of my, my first experience, like in, in, with my parents as owners. And then later on, a couple of years later, you know, my dad kind of, you know, paid off his debts and then tried a second time with one of the restaurants that he, one of the first restaurants he worked at as a, as a dishwasher and then became a manager uh he was able he, he bought that restaurant like 10 years later so wow. around when i was 10 10 11 ish um from then on he was you know he owned this restaurant and i was every summer working there uh it's in Fenya hall i'm sure you know Fenya yeah, hall sure um yeah. so i was there every summer um what i distinctly remember growing up with my dad operating restaurants there was that every winter was very, very, very slow. January was very slow. It was always mm -hmm. a huge cash crunch. Sure. And my dad was always having to figure out, you know, how was he going to cover payroll? How was he going to pay rent during January, February, March? Uh, and I always, re and I always remember thinking to myself, why does every year does this repeat itself? Right? Why, why can't we plan in? the summer for the cash we're going to need in the winter right and avoid having to you know take a loan or you know figure out how figure how to pay things off and this was me as a kid right I didn't have, there wasn't too much i could do at that point later on when i decided to start my business and i had my experience at burger king this this became like the core thing that i always look at first is having a cash flow forecast understanding sure. what your cash needs are going to be in the future uh so that you can plan ahead right and and seasonality is a factor for a lot of restaurants and locations and 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 i i, I he's talking about a Fenuel hall is a very touristy location in boston and so i'm sure in the summer it's the type of place that's just busy and and slammed and going crazy with tourists and visitors but yeah er, hit the brakes in january february where it's cold outside and people aren't you know walking around and and so much and being social but 
but yeah, so planning for that aspect of it is, is a big deal. And talk about this, you know, we, I, I guess we glossed over it in the beginning, but your main operation of your business is called a fractional CFO. So it's like having someone in your business, but they're not always there. It's kind of like a part, part-time expert help. I mean, but you, you can obviously explain it a lot better than that. Yeah. So a fractional CFO is nothing more than having a CFO, but you know, part-time, right? They, they will fulfill the duties in a, in, and not work for you full-time. So you get most of the benefits, again, 80, 20, most of the benefits of having that advice, that guidance without having pay, having to pay the full-time salary of a CFO, which can be very significant. And what is that, what is that service, right? I like to compare it to, you know, just about every restaurant has an accountant, has a bookkeeper, and the accounting and the bookkeeping is very important for you to understand what got you to where you are now, right? How much profit you've made up until this point, how much cash you have, how much debt you have. But accounting and bookkeeping is rear view mirror looking, right? I'm looking back and seeing what happened. Most of our goals, our desires, our fears live in the future, sure. right? Sure. And a fractional CFO is the person that's going to look where you're trying to go, what your goals are, and starting from your personal goals and your business goals and help you uh, with the map to get to those goals using the numbers. Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. Well, that's kind of, uh, that's kind of a fun uh, sweet spot uh, for, for you to be in. Um, I, I like, I, I, I'm sure you enjoy that aspect of, of uh, getting with restaurant owners because they're oftentimes obviously passionate, but there's a lot of challenges in the business. So helping them get from point A to point B and, and so forth is, is, is very exciting. What about the aspect, something made me think about uh, exit planning while you were talking. Okay. And, and so a lot of restaurant owners, would like to have a successful exit at some point. And, and, you know, and in my experience that can't happen unless a few things are in place, but, but systems are in place, uh, proven revenue and, and so forth and, and profits are in place, uh, and so forth. And obviously having good structure and location and buildings and leases and all that stuff plays into it as well. But does, is that something that you help folks with the exit part and thinking about how to grow the business? So it's strong enough to, to walk away or sell it. Absolutely. Um, because, we're always starting from what's the end goal, right? What are your long-term goals? Because that's going to inform what we do in the short and the medium term, right? We need to think first, what are your personal goals with the business, right? At some point, people want to retire. Is that in a five-year window, a 10-year window, a 20-year window? You know, what is that? Uh, that informs us into what we need to do to get you from point A, which is where we are now, to point B, which is that exit point, uh, and everything in between. So exit planning is definitely a part of it. And, you know, restaurant owners, especially the smaller ones, and, but it can, it can be, get up to pretty large size as well. There's often so much that is on the owner's, yeah. uh, you know, shoulders. And, and that just hinders them from, from, you know, exiting profitably, right? Because yeah. if the business depends a lot on the owner, Guess what? The the person who's going to buy it, the investor, whoever it is, they're going to have to discount the the value of the business because of that. Because uh, they're going to have to build a lot of process, a lot of systems that don't exist because it's all in the restaurants, uh, the restaurant owner's lap. So okay. building process, building systems, taking, delegating, removing stuff from the owner, 
making sure that the business and, and it's the operations are separate from the owner is a key component of yeah. getting ready for an exit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the saying work on your business, not, not in your business, because yeah, if it's completely relying on you and you either go down sick, injured, or want to retire, then yeah, the value of the business is, is greatly diminished. Talk about yourself in terms of geography. Um, maybe you work with restaurants all over the country, or maybe it's regional. I'm not, you can, you can add to that. And is there a restaurant size? Is it independent? Is it two locations, five locations? What's uh what sort of is a sweet spot for you? So we work nationally. A lot of the work we do is virtual. Um, I, I work a lot, obviously, in Boston, where I grew up. And sure. My dad's a restaurant owner up there. And, you know, I obviously have a network up there and down here in South Florida, where I live. Um, but I work with clients from, you know, all across the country. Uh, I think a sweet, sweet spot for us are usually restaurants between... 2 million in revenue to 10 million in revenue. Mm -hmm. It can be one location, can be multiple. Sure. Uh, ideally, single owner or not too many owners. Um, so sometimes we'll work with restaurant owners that are restaurants that are a little bit smaller, you know, maybe for a million and a million and a half in, in a year in revenue, but sure. our sweet spot is between two and 10. Good. Okay. Uh, we hit quite a bit in, the, in a short little take there, but what, what didn't we talk about that you'd want people to know some other quick hitting tips uh, for restaurants that people aren't paying attention to maybe? What do you think? Res to learn cash flow forecasting. That's the one, that's the first thing that we help business owners with is understanding cash flow in their business and forecasting it. It's not as complicated as it seems. And that's the thing that I think, you know, we get that restaurant owners get stuck in a lot of metrics and pulling the reports and the KPIs. But one question that I want to ask you is, do you have a true understanding of how cash flows in and out of your business? Mm -hmm. Can you predict that um, well? If you can, fantastic. You're the top 10% of owners. If not, do some research, uh, how to cash flow for your restaurant. And that's one of the best things that you could you can invest in learning. Good. I like that. I like that. Uh, something else came, came to my mind. I'll kind of ask you as, as a last question, anything you've seen um, staff wise and where I'm going is it's become more expensive in the restaurant business to hire people versus two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, minimum wages changing all over the place. Staffing was difficult to get. So restaurants had to up, up that. How has the budget of labor impacted restaurants? What do you think? Restaurant owners are having a lot, having a difficult time recruiting, mm -hmm. right? Uh, budgeting for that higher labor. And my advice has been, you know, make sure that you have the right culture in place to, to attract the right people yep. and retain yep. the right people. Uh, improve your process, improve your system so that you can be more efficient and try to hire less headcount with higher quality, right? Because the reality is, if you want to attract good people, you're going to have to pay more. And in order to pay more, sometimes you need to learn how to do more with less. And that's about having better process, better systems. Um, so th that's the advice that I give. Yeah. Yeah. Good tips there. So send them to the website or if there's social you have or other, other channels you have, where, where, you want, where you want them to go? You can find me on my website. So moracfo.com, M-O-U-R-A-C-F-O.com, or look for me on LinkedIn. Um, Again, you can search more CFO, you can search for my name, uh, and I'll be glad to connect.
Perfect. Awesome. Good stuff there, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Uh, folks, that's Jonathan Rosa of Mora CFO. You can find them on the web at moracfo.com for more great restaurant marketing and operations, service people, and tech tips. Stay tuned to us here at runningrestaurants.com. Uh, in the meantime, we appreciate it. If you could like this episode or, or uh, refer it or uh, make a review, that really helps us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you, Jamie.